Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it You know what? We think we can make it better here at The Catch on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, in the end, it's really not us making it better. It is Christ in us. It is the Lord through us. And uh, that truly makes the changes in the world, and changes that, that we could never make ourselves. Um, but it's through God's grace and his love working through us, forgiving us, giving us grace so that we, therefore, can turn grace outward to others. Our guest uh, tonight uh, is a, a person who exemplifies this uh, beautifully and almost uh, every every aspect of, of what he has ended up doing with his life. And that is uh, Dr. Gary Parker, who is the chief medical officer um, and uh, oral surgeon aboard the hospital ship Africa Mercy and uh, part of the larger organization Mercy Ships and uh, this ship, Africa Mercy, spends all of its time uh, moving up and down the coast of Africa, hitting uh, coastal areas where people have come now over time to know that they can get treatment, especially for specific things that are really in our world they're simple treatments uh, but in their world they're huge because there just are not the medical facilities available for them and uh, so we'll we'll understand and hear a little bit more about that but uh, Gary's Gary's life is amazing I mean he's lived his life he got married on this ship he's raised his kids on this ship and uh, many others do uh, it's an unbelievable uh, reality, so different from uh, many of us. We're going to find out a little bit what that's like today in our interview with uh, Gary. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Oh, thank you so much, John. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to hear your voice and uh, look forward to this time we have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us. Uh, briefly, Gary, how, how this all got started and, and how you ended up, uh, basically, it sounds like um, uh, Africa Mercy is your, your, your second home. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. that. Well, it's, it's been primary home for much primary. of the last 30, for mm-hmm. uh, my wife and I and our family have uh, been 
uh, it's almost 33 years now that we've been part of this Christian community that lives on this ship, and uh, we'll spend 10 or 11 months in a given port in some of the neediest countries on earth are, are, are found on the coastal areas of, of Africa, particularly West Africa. Hmm. And uh, we bring the hospital ship in, and we have volunteers that, from coming from 30 or 40 different nations, probably that many denominations of Christendom, <laughs> and uh, hmm. uh, as an expression of God's love uh, for people and, and the value that people have in this uh, you know, sin-twisted world of ours that people yeah. have value. And um, it's a way of extending that care, saying that uh, we, we, uh, we know you, even though you suffer with a terrible deformity or a, or a surgical problem that's going to end your life, um, that yeah. you, you have true value. And uh, so it's been a, a quite, a, quite a good experience, uh, hard in many ways, but a, mm-hmm. uh, an amazing experience and uh, learning to live with 400 other people in a, in a, in a big metal box uh, with yeah. all of our different cultures and, and uh, things like that. Uh, that's character building as well and uh, also deeply enriching. Yeah. Uh, so, Gary, t- tell me, what are the main, uh, the main things you end up treating in these uh, Right. Yeah. So, the, so we have five operating rooms on the ship and a 90-bed hospital ward, and then we set up a, a, a facility ashore, which is like a bed and breakfast for people that when they're arriving before they've had their surgery and while they're recovering after they've uh, reached yeah. that point where they can safely leave the hospital. And we offer surgery for women who have been damaged in childbirth uh, and uh, are unable to control their uh, urine or feces because they've been damaged from obstructed labor, uh, blindness from cataracts, um, burn contractures uh, from untreated severe burns, uh, birth deformities like cleft lip and cleft palate, encephalocele,s things like that, Uh, orthopedic deformities, especially children, lower limb uh, orthopedic deformities, uh, ENT uh, issues, uh, thyroid disease, thyroid, thyroid surgery that's needed, and uh, let's see if I left anything out. Oh, pediatric general surgery and some aspects of general surgery. So we have mm-hmm. these teams, and this is uh, we provide the surgery for free. There's no strings attached. You don't have to pray a prayer or do anything to get it. You just you get it because you're a human being and you have value. Uh, our hope, of course, is that you'll experience God's love in this process. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so those are the th- kind of things that we take care of. The word gets out, um, and uh, so when you show up in a port, generally there's a long line of people waiting for you. Is that right? Mm, yeah, yeah. They, uh, you know, it, it, the the number of people in our world today that don't have access to safe surgery, timely surgery, affordable mm. surgery. Those three, the number of people that don't have access to that is five billion people. So two out of three people on planet Earth do not have access to safe surgery, timely surgery, or affordable surgery, or all three. And Mm -hmm. the consequences of that are people die or live terribly deformed lives because of things that are taken for granted in high-income countries. Wow. Wow. Um, It looks like uh, uh, I notice, especially in in the uh, special, the 60-minute special, 
um, they were focusing a lot uh, in, in that instance on uh, deformities, tumors, um, things like that. Um, what? Uh, tell me about that uh, a little bit and what, the, yeah. what that's like to, to see... Uh, see a deformity and and then actually know that you might be able to 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 do something about it. Yeah, well, in in my realm, in my specialty of oral and maxillofacial surgery, um, th- what this translates to in Africa, where um, I'm working, is th- basically three big things: tumors that have grown to enormous proportions. Uh, birth deformities like cleft lip and palate, and then destruction of the face by an infection called Noma. And Noma, you can watch your two-year-old child go from being a perfectly formed child to missing their entire nose, the whole side of their cheek, face, uh, lips, mm. in a period of about two weeks. And wow. when, you, when you meet these people, of course, oftentimes they're covered up. They'll have a, you know, a, 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 some kind of a cover over their face because they are so ashamed or have feel such mm-hmm. rejection, and one of the things that uh, I have learned, and I try to teach those that work with me, uh, is that if the person has an eye, they've lost one eye and they've lost that whole side of their face, but they still have one good eye. Look at them in that eye, and just mm-hmm. go right past the fact that they're missing these bits and pieces mm-hmm. that we seem to think are so important, these bits of flesh, like the nose mm-hmm. in the middle of the face. We mm-hmm. get so used to seeing that that when it's not there, it's quite a shock. But you can, you can learn to say, you know, the person is inside here. They're trapped in a body, that, but they, they're mm-hmm. still in there. And there's, or this tumor that's slowly suffocating them to death, it's, they don't want that there, but they're, they're, that tumor is not them. They're inside and to be able to look past the deformity to the person mm. who's trapped uh, is so important. And, and oftentimes, I think the healing really begins when people, mm. when you shake their hand, when you'll touch them and not afraid that evil spirits will come on you, and mm. they begin to recognize that you know that they are inside. And that mm. starts the, the healing process, right, to that acceptance and the hope that maybe one one day I can join the whole human race again, or maybe yeah. I never have joined it in the first place. Right, and right. You can see in their eyes that idea of, oh my goodness, maybe maybe I really do matter. What was that term? I heard a term uh, mentioned that, like something that like you were there or you were in there or what? Yeah. Do you know what I'm referring to? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I think people would call that the image of God. Um, yeah. That the, there's that fingerprint of God in all of us. And even though we live in a twisted world where bad things happen to good people and all sorts of things that are mm. hard to accept, still every person has value. And one of my primary messages is that no one is rubbish. No mm. one is garbage. Mm. Um, and that's so important. If we ever If we lose that, we lose a big part of what being human is, mm. is about and what God's intention for us as we relate to each other. What happens, what happens to people, Gary, when you begin to see them this way and treat them like this? What happens to them? Usually the first, I, can, I start to see the signs 
in the in the eye or the eyes if they have them, where instead of averting their gaze or or looking down at the ground for fear that you know you're you're going to look and see their deformity and judge them, they begin to look at you in the eye, mm. and you can see hope. It's hard to describe you know what hope looks like, but you can tell it when you see it that that there was a, a dullness there, and you start to see sparkles of light and enthusiasm and energy that they start to think, maybe I'm not rubbish after all. Maybe I really do matter. Mm-hmm. And um, Or I guess you could, some people would say the lights come on. <laughs> and the yeah. lights were flickering or the lights were off, and now the lights are on and they're engaged in life. And there's the hope that they can sit at the table of the human race and, uh, and be like everyone else. What do you think? Uh, what do you think we can learn um, in in our normal life here in America, where we don't we don't see that much deformity around us, but still, aren't they the same concepts that mm. that, yeah. that we can learn? And we and and, and how, how would you encourage us to look at people? Yeah. yeah well. That's uh, that, that's a big one. The the I just fit, you know physical perfection has been idolized in in our yeah. media and so on and so forth. But that that whole idea that everyone is a child of God, and that whether they're homeless or whether they have some kind of addiction problem or whether they are struggling with a, uh, whatever the struggles we have with in high income countries, those are just as as real. To these people as someone who's missing their nose or has a tumor the size of a small watermelon that's choked, gradually choking them in the end it's it's the same you know do we have value or not and certainly a big part of what Jesus was was showing us you know when he would when the leper came to him and fell down on his face and, and said if if you are willing you can make me clean and Jesus reaches out and touches a leper. I mean, who touches lepers? Jesus reaches out and touches him and says, I am willing, clean. I mean, he just he was showing us that people, all people matter. They matter to him, and because they matter to him, they also matter to us. Wow. There's so much, so much to learn there. Um, uh, and, it, and it does look, you know, what I began to see and, and just uh, a couple of the images of your work that I've, that I've had the privilege of looking at that I do, by the way, encourage uh, our listeners to check out. We've got links um, by the way, to the 60 minute special and the national geographic. Uh, uh, so you can find those right there uh, on your blog talk radio uh, write up about Gary and I really encourage you to to uh, take some time and look at those because they'll really open your eyes and understanding for not only for what he's doing, but how how we learn to look at people and uh, how our life can be affected and and how it can change. Um, but uh, you know, I <laughs> I forgot my I forgot my question. I got going into uh, um, all of that. <laughs> Um, well, tell me what what do you think are some of the the biggest things how this whole thing has affected 
you and your your life and and your family i mean this is huge uh, this has especially been uh uh your your kids how, how do they uh they've been raised on this ship you know do they ever complain <laughs> yeah. can we have a normal life do you ever get that well i missed that last thing say it again oh, can't we, yeah can't we have a normal life i'm just wondering <laughs> if you, ever, you know if you ever get yeah. any of that yeah yeah i mean they they felt that my my son would have loved to have a a, a field of grass to play soccer on and yeah. uh, to be you know to do those kind of things and um my but for both of them um to just to have a, a group of friends that you you know could know for years and grow up with and families come and go on the ship and you know you make friends but then they sometimes their family moves off the ship after a couple of years and so you mm-hmm. you lose that continuity um and also I, I think that feeling of belonging um i mean although although they both have american passports it's taken them a long time since they left the ship and and went to university and then now are living here to take on what it means to be a citizen of america mm-hmm. and um and it would be the same no matter what country you come from. But the fact that you've lived with people from 40 different countries, you see things much more broadly. You have a much greater appreciation for uh, the differences between people, and that doesn't put you off. It doesn't make you feel you know, judgmental or something like that, but it just means you accept people for who they are. You value their, their culture. You value mm-hmm. the good things that they bring to the table. So that's it's been a... It's been a challenge for them, and uh, to me, um, the the unspoken hero of the Parker family is my wife Susan, because there's a lot of things she could have done with her life besides spend 30 years on, on a ship, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but she did, and she took that the opportunity she had to help us. She's not a, a medical person, but she has great capacity in helping people learn other people's cultures and learning mm-hmm. how to be helpful and not harmful when you enter someone else's culture. Uh, she has a real passion mm-hmm. for that, and so, yeah, we've all we've all had to to learn and grow, and uh, accept one another and accept uh, you know, accept ourselves. And it's been it's it's really when I watch like at the operating theater operating room door, you see a little baby coming with a cleft lip, and the mother's hands this little child to the nurse, and then the nurse takes the child, the door slams, doesn't slam, it slides shut, and the mother kind of sits down on a bench there and oftentimes is weeping because she's just handed one of the most precious things in her entire life over to yeah. these people, hoping that something good will happen. But it's and, and when I saw that, it always touched me, but when I had my own children, then I mm. really understood what it means when you trust someone else with such a precious gift as your own child. Mm. 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 Wow. Oh my. Um we talked you mentioned two two really important words uh when we talked earlier uh Gary one was hope and the other was grace. Uh can we talk about those? Uh, let's talk about um let's talk about that hope a, a little bit. Um these people uh uh peers are uh are come to you pretty hopeless um mm. so uh, how uh, tell us how important that is yeah well you know when 
when people have tried and tried and tried to get help and they can't because they mm-hmm. don't have access to those three things, safe, timely, affordable surgery, there, there's a certain point where you can just feel like you, you give up, but there's maybe I'll give one last try. I've heard about this hospital ship, and I've heard that you know, maybe good things will happen, so I'm coming. And, and uh, So let's, let's take, for example, a, a woman who has, uh, I'll, I'll ch- change her name, but let's call her Aminata, uh, who had a big, big tumor that had grown in the middle of her face, and she was slowly starving to death. Uh, you either die by starvation or suffocation by these big tumors sure. that form in the jaws. She comes, she walked, walked to the ship with a hemoglobin of 2.9, which is about one-fifth of what the normal red blood cell is because she had been bleeding chronically from this big tumor. Yeah. She has this enormous operation, uh, takes eight or ten hours to take this tumor out and then rebuild her face. She looks almost normal (laughs) she goes back to her village and people look at her and go we thought this was impossible and yet look at you something happened i wonder if other things that we thought were impossible might be possible i wonder if we could get clean water for our village i wonder if we could get a better school for our children I wonder if we could get the road fixed so we can get our crops to market during the rainy season. Things that they thought impossible now maybe could be possible. And the quote that I heard years ago that's helped me is that, you know, for hope to be credible for the future, it needs to be tangible in the present. For hope to be believable for the future, not just our, our earthly future, how about future of forever? For hope to be credible, believable, it needs to be experienced in the present. Mm. And so when Aminata, when she goes back to the village, hope becomes tangible because they could see with their own eyes something that they thought was impossible happened. And I'm convinced that one of the, I'm I'm not an economist, I'm not a sociologist or a politician, and I know there are many factors to poverty but I'm convinced that one factor for sure that is necessary to lift people up out of poverty is they need to have hope that Mm. there can be a better tomorrow. And not just, uh, you know, a pep talk. Yes, tomorrow's going to be a better day. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure, tell us. We all, for years and years and years, we've been struggling, and we don't see that happening. So it can't be that. Hope has to be tangible, and that's why when Amanata comes back or when their grandmother comes back who is blind from cataracts or their wife comes back who is leaking urine because of childbirth deformity and they're dry, um, those Mm -hmm. things really hit home, not just for the individual. Of course, it matters enormously for the individual, but for the village, for the family, for the tribe, that seeds of hope have been planted, and uh, the God of hope is the one who plants those seeds, nurtures them, and and we see uh, aspects of the kingdom of God coming on earth as we've been praying Mm. all these years. May your kingdom come on earth. Mm. So hope hope is so uh, critical for that. How does does it feel to know that you are a a source of hope for Mm. so many people? No, it's it is a it's I'm wonderfully fulfilling uh, ex- ex- 
exuberant or that's not exuberant what's the word when i when i see hope come into people's eyes that wasn't there before that dullness is replaced with a sparkle and the energy is saying i've got a life i get to sit at the table of the human race um yeah. that is uh, it's just a, a wonderful wonderful thing you say you be you would be in a particular area uh for what, 10, 11 months, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people would you see during, during that time? Well, that, I mean, thousands, thousands of people get surgery on the ship and many, many, many thousands get their uh, dental care for uh, really quite extreme dental problems uh, mm-hmm. on, on shore. And then the, the people that get trained, medical training, the nursing training, uh, biomedical training, all these different programs that we run alongside of the surgery, uh, that ends up being tens of thousands or mo- more than that uh, as as we stay. So, and then, um, so it's it's quite a it's quite a, a big operation, and more than just the doctors and nurses, it's uh, a lot of people being willing to work together, uh, to love one another, to forgive each other, <laughs> when, yeah. and uh, so it's. Um, it's really important, and that I guess yeah. that's the other other thing that I would say. I, I heard a Bible teacher years ago uh, say that you know grace. We use that word, and it's a theological term, and, and so on. But it's also a term that you see many times. Paul uses it uh, in his writings, where he says, "Grace was given me to," and then mm-hmm. whatever it was, go into a certain city, and you know he's almost stoned to death, or you know some terrible things happen, and this. Bible teacher said that you know grace. When God gives you grace, He gives you the desire and the power to do God's will. And mm. Mm. And, my, and and we need grace. One because I don't want to do God's will <laughs> to start with, because usually that means dying to self, and that's I don't like doing that. Um, and <laughs> and then two, we don't have the we don't have to do that. And so when He gives me grace. He gives me the desire and the power to do his will. And my problem is that I don't want to ask him for grace because I know if I ask him, he'll help me. And then I can't plot my revenge or have my pity party or whatever it is. You know? But when, as, we, as we learn to ask for grace, he gives us an ability to live outside ourselves because otherwise, without being able to be rescued from myself, it's all about me, my satisfaction, my hope, my fulfillment, my blah, 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 me, 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 all well, about me. To be yeah. rescued from myself takes the grace of God. But that's the good news, is that we, we can be rescued. You know, there's, there is hope. Um, yeah. And that we can be a part of a, of a kingdom that lasts forever. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Gary, here at, here at The Catch, we have a phrase that's kind of become our... Uh, our watchword, our brand, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it. We call it grace turned outward. Um, mm. Mm. T- what does that What does that mean to you, grace turned outward? It sounds like a good deal of what what goes on on your ship. <laughs> mm. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, as, as, we, as we walk with Jesus and as we learn to ask, for that grace, basically, I think what happens is he, he finds these he finds people who are willing to be channels of his mm. grace, and he will pour 
love and grace through through um, each individual who's who is uh, able to do that, and that is um, ah, it's a, it's it's like I don't know being a conduit of life and being w- willing to be known for who we are. I mean, we're all weak, broken people, but we if we're willing, we can let him pour grace through us, and all sorts of good things can happen. And you know. It, can't, it won't happen if it's left, if we're left to our own devices, but it will happen yeah. if we say, yeah. "I need this. I'm desperate for this because I know who I am without you." So that mm. way, then he can pour through and out to the to the needing world and the watching world that there's a real there's a real life here and there's a real faith and there's a real yeah. loving God behind all this. Yeah. Wow. Well, Gary, what 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 do you see in the future? Um, how many more years can you do this? Uh, <laughs> and, and are you willing to do that? And, and what, yeah, what does the future look like to you and your wife? Yeah, well, I, I still, I still feel that for me personally, um, that I, I need to keep uh, pouring my life into my uh, surgical colleagues in Africa and. Um, empowering them not not just with the technical uh skills but also uh walking with them uh learning how to follow our hearts work uh reach out and and treat people with love and respect that it's not just surgery it's not just a technical exercise but that it's actually attached to a human being who's got a body soul and spirit and that uh we need to connect with and i feel like um being able to sh- continue to share that as, as long as I'm able. Um, that's, that's one of my hopes yeah. and one of my dreams. Yeah. So, uh, now right now you are, you're, you're living in Seattle. When do you go back out on ship soon? Yep. We're hoping, we're hoping once, uh, we have, a uh, the, uh, enough solutions in place to be able to work, work in the pandemic world in a way that's ah. safe for our patients and our crew, mm-hmm. that we'll, we will be back in West Africa. And uh, that's really what uh, we're working on right now is how to do that safely uh, because it's it's complicated. And uh, yeah. especially when you're in lo- low-resource countries, mm-hmm. we, we, we get a very warped, not warped, we get a distorted view of reality when we think, well, if I get sick and I live in a high-income country, mm-hmm. uh, there'll be an ICU bed for me, there'll be a ventilator, there'll be all the medicines, but when you have countries that don't have ventilators, don't have ICUs, don't have the medicines, then wow. the the disease is a much it's much more threatening because you don't have that infrastructure. So you we really do need to be well prepared and have as many people vaccinated as possible and get all our systems in place so that we make sure that we keep our patients healthy and and, and don't uh, spread the uh, COVID. Yeah. So we're working hard be- on that right now. Would you be doing that? Is that something that you would take on, uh, vaccinating people, or is that some, something that you can't do? I don't understand how that works. Yeah, no, we we are work as an organization. We're helping to uh, channel resources to those that are doing that, so that we can get people vaccinated. It's not it's not our core competency to to do that, but we are doing everything we can to help those who are doing that. And, I see. Um, so. Uh, 
and then okay. uh, being able to we may we may be able to do some limited work in that in that regard, but really our our job is to empower those that are all set up to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Gary. Well, our time's up. How can we help you? How how can we how can we pray and um, and where can we go if we want to contribute to this? I mean, if you've got a website or what, what tell us what to do. Yeah, there's a website called mercyships.org, and you can go there and to volunteer or to donate or there's all sorts of different things you can do um, in that in that regard, and uh, that, that would be of course very welcome. And I think as far as prayers, I, I, my prayer would be not, not just for us, but for all of, all of those who are following Jesus, that uh, he would give us grace, that he could pour grace through our lives and out to our world, that we could see his kingdom come on earth and Amen. will be done on earth. I think that, uh, uh, that prayer covers about <laughs> that, that covers it all right there, I think. Sure does. Oh boy, sure does. Gary, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us and uh, turning us on to this incredible ministry that you have. So God bless you. you. Thank you you so much, John. Thank you. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. That's really amazing. Spend your whole life on a ship. Your family... 400 other people, thousands of patients, what a life. You heard it there, grace. It's grace turned shepherd. And uh, this is certainly what's happened for Gary and, and his family. It happened for all of us. And, uh, and then remember how to treat people, um, all made in the image of God. Amen. So thank you so much. Thank you, Gary Parker. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Come back next week for another great Blog Talk Radio interview. God bless you all.